We've been uh, looking together, haven't we, at this, uh, uh, how we hear the voice of God, and we're going to look at it a little bit more today. Uh, God speaks in so, so many different ways to us. Yeah, he, he talks in some of these loads of different ways. He talks directly sometimes. He talks through nature. He talks through the supernatural. He talks through friends, dreams, and visions. He talks through circumstances, through our own thoughts. He talks a lot through the Word of God as we read the Word. How many people read it four times or more this week? I'm going to keep asking you, name and shame you. Okay, put your hands up if you didn't read it four times or more this week. Let's see who you are, right? Remember what I said? Like, we need to start reading the Word. Seriously, right? Because that's, that's the primary way that you'll find God talking to you, through His Word. And if you're not reading it, it's, it's like, it would be like me sitting at home with earplugs, you know? Sometimes when I'm, I'm at home, I like playing on the PlayStation, right? And I'm there playing on the PlayStation at home. I've got headphones on so that it doesn't make a big racket, right? And I can hear everything in my headphones. You know what happens? Inika walks into the room like this. She looks at me and she turns around and she walks straight out again. You know why? Because I won't hear a word she says. So she waits until I'm finished, right? Sometimes the only way she can get hold of me is to text me and say, when are you going to be finished? And then i like, oh, okay, I better stop now. I've been on here for eight hours. Maybe that's long enough. You know, I'm joking, right? Maybe I better, uh, we better have a conversation. And if you're not reading the word, it's kind of like that. You may as well be playing PlayStation, right? With your headphones on because God's still talking to you. She could come in and start talking to me, and I have no idea. Because, you know, I'm looking at the PlayStation, right? And it's like that. So if we're not reading the Word, then we won't hear the voice of God. So we need to, we need to make sure we do that. Because wherever the key is location, we have to be where God is speaking. God is speaking all the time, but we have to be able to, to tune in, and He speaks through His Word he says, first of all, you've got to have a relationship. You've got to know his voice, right? Nicodemus, he says, you know, you need to be born again. You need to understand, not just, you know, you, if you don't have that kind of relationship, then you won't recognize his voice. And then be still. We have so many voices talking to us. I can't hear the voice of God if I'm on my PlayStation at the same time, can I? I can't do reading of the Bible and playing games at the same time. I have to be still. I have to quieten those things, turn the television and the radio and other things off so that I can go, you know what, God? I just want to hear from you right now. So I'm going to quieten all these other noises so that I can hear. And then, as I said, the word, come to the word, eager to hear, and, and so on. And we said also that obedience, we have to align our lives to what God wants us to do. And we said the first key is, is about service. God speaks to you when you're serving him. Without, throughout the pages of Scripture, you see God asking people to do certain things, right? He shows up and he speaks to them when he wants them to do something. Moses had gone off into the wilderness, and what happened? God showed up to him, how? In a burning bush. Why? Because he just thought that would be a neat idea? No, because he wanted him to do something. And when he wanted him to serve him, he showed up to him and he started having a conversation with him. Until, and then after that, God carried on talking to him, right? Through service. God doesn't call the equipped. 
You might think, oh, I don't have the gifts and abilities, but actually he equips the court. Moses didn't have the gifts and abilities. He told God that straight away, didn't he? Well, I can't do this. But God says, I'm going to equip you to do it. So we don't, we don't have an excuse for saying, well, that, that's not in my comfort zone. That's, I, I don't have those gifts. No, no, no. If God's told you to do it, he'll give you the gifts that you need. He'll equip you. And while he's equipping you, he speaks to you and he talks to you. The second key is as we're giving to him. Why we looked at this last time. It's because alignment. This was my cracking picture that didn't work last week. Right? This is Ben Ainsley. In, in, in one of these catamarans. They're amazing, aren't they? Remember I was telling you about how fast they go. They go like 70, 80 miles an hour. Why? Because they're not actually in the water. They're just skimming across. The only things that are touching the water are those little fins. And they fly along. But, but they only fly when you, when you tune in, when you, when you capture the wind that is blowing you. If he didn't have those sails up like that, what would happen? They would be just sitting in the water going nowhere. Right? The wind is blowing and it's, he has the ability to capture the wind. And it's the same with us and the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is just blowing and blowing and blowing and blowing. You want to know when you see revival? Revival happens, not because God suddenly shows up, because people suddenly attune to where the wind of the Spirit is blowing. That's where revival happens. It's not about God suddenly coming on a place. It's about the people... Did you, did you read about what happened in Aysbury, that, that university? God was there working away. What happened? The people just came back in and started tuning into what God wanted to do. And as they did that, so they started meeting with God and amazing things starting to happen. And it's the same with you and me. And we looked at last week in the Old Testament. It talks about tithing and about giving to God. And that's really important for God. Over 800 times in the Bible, it talks about how we use the resources that God gives us. Over half of Jesus' parables are about how we use our money and so on. And last week we spoke about how we do this tithing. We looked at what it is. So what was it? What is tithing? What did I say last week? Hands up if you were here last week. Okay, put your hands right up. Don't, don't put them like this. You're not Cub Scouts. You're not dib-dibbed in here, right? Put your hand up if you were here last week. Okay, so you need the answers to this, right? If you weren't here last week, you've got a perfect excuse. You can sit back and relax. So what is tithing? It's what? Giving away 10% of your income, that's true, but where do we give it? You give it to God, that's a perfect answer. How? Tithe in, but where do we take it? What do we do with it? We take it to the house of God, what do we do with it? Don't you remember last week? Huh? Party. That's exactly the right answer, isn't it? Do you remember what it said? We read it from Deuteronomy 14. It says, you bring your tithe for two years, you bring your tithe to God. And what do you do? You take your whole household, all your, all your servants, all your, you know, everybody, your wider family, community. You bring them all up to where the presence of God is. In, in, uh, in the Old Testament where we were looking at it, it was at Shiloh, and then it was in Jerusalem. And what do you do? It says, you use the money, the 10% of your annual income, and you, if it's too much, you have to just make it into cash, bring the cash, 
go and buy what you need and have this wing-dinger of a party that goes on for days, right? And why are you doing that? Why do we do that? We do that to say thank you to God for his blessing. Thank you for who you are. And we honor him and, you know, we, we exalt him. In the third year, it said, do that, but here we go. In the third year, it said, do that, but in the third year, you give it to the priests and the Levites. You give it in over to the temple, and they will use it both for their celebrations, because they don't have any land or any other income. They use it for mission to others, to look after the, the widows and the orphans and other people, and they use it for the costs of the temple and the tabernacle. Do you remember what I said? It's what we're going to do here in the church, right? Two-thirds of our tithe, our, our weekly income goes, is going to be set aside for hospitality, for celebrating together, for cake after the church, and for mission. And one-third will go towards paying the bills of the church. And we're going to trust God that he will look after us. Because we want to align ourselves. I want to be in a church that's like that catamaran that's flying. I don't want to be in a church that's sitting on a boat with no sail up. Do you? That's just bobbing around going nowhere. I mean, if there's loads of those. I, I don't want to do that. I want to be in a... So we have to align ourselves to the Word of God. And this is what it says. And he says at the end of Deuteronomy 14 that we looked at, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. You see, the problem is that we are so easy and so quick to forget God. How many of you, when you're at work in the week, do you, do you, do you focus on God? You know, so often we kind of like, we just get caught up. When we go to the shops, are you thinking about God? When we're doing the cleaning the house, are you thinking about God? You know, so often we kind of get caught up in life, don't we? And, and then we go, oh, oh, God, yeah. Um, and sometimes we just do God bit in, in our morning devotions. And then we just get on with the day as though God doesn't exist, you know, kind of thing. And then we kind of come down and maybe think about God at, at nighttime. But so often, so God, God put all these things in place so that we would constantly be reminded he said, I don't mind you going and partying. What was Jesus' first miracle? Water and a wine at a wedding, right? Jesus went to party, right? He loves it, okay? He doesn't mind. Because, because if we do that and we honor God, he says, that's, that's, I just want you to be, I want God to be at the forefront of your mind the whole time. And I know as people that you will easily forget. That's what we did last time. Okay, now we're on to this week. This week we're going to look at the New Testament. And the thing is about the New Testament, when you talk about tithing and money, and everything kind of changes. When Jesus came, it all changed. Now, you're going to have to get up and turn your chairs around because I'm going to be preaching from this end of the church today, okay? So turn your chairs around, people. Poor old Alex on the, on the, he's got the cameras now. <coughs> hey, this is an all-age service, anything goes. Hey, what, what don't you understand by turning your chairs around? Okay, thank you, Elaine. Elaine's got it. 
If you're in a pew, I'm going to look forward to this. Okay, you guys, are, you're laughing. Back. You're laughing back here. Look, they don't even need to do it. This is awesome, right? Okay, you're going to have to turn it around. Come on. You can disconnect them, turn them around. Right. How's it going? This is the New Testament. It feels weird, doesn't it? Really, really weird. I mean, you guys, I can't even see you. You're hiding over there, right, behind the sound desk. So I need to kind of keep bobbing up and down like this. Right? This, this is New Testament. You see, in the Old Testament, they had it all sorted. Hey, this should work really good from back here. Oh, yeah. They had it all sorted out, right? The tithing business, all sorted. You go every year, you give your tithe, your 10%. You, you go and you celebrate with your family, with your friends, with your community. On the third year, you just give it in. But you'll still be celebrating because even though you go and give yours, you're still part of other people's family, right? So if I'm giving mine in my third year, it won't be Jason's third year, so I'll just tag on to his party and that's going on, right? And it won't be Charlotte's third year, so I'll tag on to Charlotte's party. And, and so we'll all go up and have multiple parties anyway, right? So even though I'm giving mine, I'm still included in other people's party and that's going on, other people's celebration of God. But in the New Testament, it all changes. Suddenly they become followers of Jesus Christ. Now, when they became followers of Jesus Christ, what were they supposed to do about the tithe and about giving? You want to go and take it up to Jerusalem, to the temple? Well, we don't follow that anymore. Why would we do that? Do, do we just celebrate and have parties together? But where are we going to have them? Because we were told we had to go to the, name, the place where God's name rests and have the party there. But do we, do we still have to do that? Or don't we have to do that? What do we have to do? And everything changed. It's really weird, this, isn't it? Everything changed. And everything was different. Yeah, it's good. I can read it quite clearly now. <laughs> we, should, we should do this more often. And so the early church had to kind of figure out, well, what do we do? How do we align ourselves so that we are still flying along with God and the Spirit of God? But how do we do that now that everything has changed? We don't want to be going giving money to the Levites anymore, do we? And what about looking after the widows and the orphans and the, the, the homeless and, and those on the margins of society? How can we do that? Because the whole structure's all changed. So they weren't sure. Okay. This is how they did it. I'm going to put some music on in a minute. Are you feeling happy today? Okay. Okay, let, let, let's... 
Turn to the person next to you and say, are you happy? Good, good. Right, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to put some music on. Jason's going to lead off because he's right next to me here. He'll regret coming back. <laughs> Up the front, it's Palm Sunday, right? Palm Sunday, that's when Jesus went in on his donkey. Everybody was happy. Well, at least initially. Still, he started talking about money and throwing them out. I got some palm crosses. I want you all to go and get a palm cross. But when, when you go down there, because you're so happy, I want you to dance your way down and pick the palm cross up. And when you've got your palm cross, I want us to form a big circle in the church, right? Around the outside. I'm going to put some dance music on so that you can dance, right? And then grab a palm cross and just start forming a circle. You ready? Okay, you might have to stand up for this because they're down there. Okay? Here we go. Here we go. You ready? After Jason. Jason will lead on. Oh, and one last thing. It'll be really cool if the young people, once you've got your palm crossed, can you join me up here? Is that all right? Because I'm going to ask you to lead off something afterwards. All right? You ready? Okay, let's put some music on. Oh, yeah. Okay, follow on, follow on. Come on.
that's enough happiness for one day, isn't it? <laughs> right, okay, right. I want you to form a circle, right? We need a problem. Okay, come up here, Freya. That's awesome. You know what we're going to do? I want you to hold your palm crosses down, right? And we're going to start, we're going to go for a Mexican wave around the sanctuary. You ready for this? You guys are going to start, already? Do you know a Mexican wave? So we, we start down, and we're going to go this way round, okay? And it needs to come over to Enica over there. And when it comes to Enica and Jeff, then it's going to come back to us. You ready? After three. One, two, three. Whoa! Okay, that, that was a bit pathetic, to be fair. Okay, put your palm crosses down, everybody. Palm crosses down. Ready? Let's try that again. You ready? One, two, three, go. Whoa! Yeah, better. Again, come on. Whoa. Some of you are just cheating. You're just kind of sticking it out when you feel like it. But yeah. All right. That's pretty cool. One more time. Let's go the other way. We'll start and then over to Inika and Jeff. Ready? One, two, three, go. Oh, I like the enthusiasm. Yeah, that's better. We're better. We're better that way. Let's try that one more time. Go on. Ready? One, two, go. Awesome. Go sit down. Give yourselves a big round of applause. Thank you. I have no idea why I did that. Just seemed like a fun thing to do. The old ones, eh? <laughs> Why do we do that? I don't know, really, but hey. 1 Corinthians 16, Paul talks about, because they were asking this question, what do we do? What do we do about our tithes and our offerings? How are we going to do it now? It doesn't really work properly. So let's read it together. Oh, yeah, you can't because you're looking the wrong way. It says, now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. He says, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Paul is talking here about how, how they tithe, how they look after their collections in the early church and what they should do. Let's go through it really quickly. Firstly, he says it needs to be regular. Right? Everybody participated, a bit like our Mexican wave. Some of you participated a bit too early, but you all participated, right? Because otherwise, if, if suddenly you kind of a group of you go, oh, I'm not doing this, this is just stupid then it doesn't work, does it? The wave stops into a big chasm. And then like the people after are not quite sure what to do. Is it my turn yet? Is it not my turn yet? What am I supposed to do? But like, he says, no, do it regularly. Everybody involved. Secondly, do it consistently, he says, on the first day of the week. The tithe was an annual thing, wasn't it? Annually, you collect 10%, you change it, you... You take it there. But he says, this, this is weekly. 
On the first day of every week, he says, on the Sunday, set aside. That's why we have our offerings on the first day of every week. Set it aside. And he says, each one of you. So it needs to be for everybody. Everybody should be giving. It doesn't matter how young or how old you are. It's not about the amount, but everybody is involved because everybody needs to give thanks to God, right? Everybody has a blessing that God has given to them. And so they need to be part of it. And he says, just like he did for in the Old Testament, it's for who? The Lord's people. We give so that we may bless the Lord's people, he says. So that, so that the resources may go towards the family. Those are the people, first and foremost, that we are, have a responsibility to look after. So that's why we give. We give so that the Lord's family may be blessed. Same as in the Old Testament. He says you need to do it without any guilt or pressure. He says, I'm not going to ask you when I come. How many, time, how many of you have ever been to an event where they, you know, I remember I was in Malawi one time. And, you know, like we'd only just arrived. And so we, we transferred some money into some kwacha, which is the currency in Malawi. And so we had like kwacha, but we had like, because we transferred, you know, dollars or whatever, we had like large denomination kwacha notes, which, which weren't worth very much, but they were like 500 kwacha, you know. And, and that was on the Saturday, and on the Sunday morning we went to church, so we hadn't had time to spend any of it. So when it came time for the offering in this little village church, they said, we're going to have our morning offering. So we were kind of looking and we were going, well, we've only got like these large denomination, big red quatcha notes. They thought, well, I'll just put one in. It's only worth about 50p or something. We'll put it in. And then the pastor stood up after he'd had the offering. He said, you know what? We're going to have another special offering today because he started seeing all these red quatcha notes going in because we were going, anybody got any change? Like, are we, going to, we were going to filter him through the offertory going, I don't, you know. And so he said, we'll have another offering. We'll have an offering for, for the work of the children's ministry. So let's pass the basket around. And then he had a third offering for the women's ministry. And then a fourth offering for the pastor himself. And we were like, and all our money is going out. Like, and everybody thought this was fantastic. But it, you kind of feel guilty and there was pressure on us, right? How many times have you been to somewhere where they pressurize you into giving? They say it's free, but it's not really free, is it? You know, they, they then preach. They preach to you about giving, and that's slightly longer than the normal sermon, right? And the, the you know, you need, you need to give. You don't want to rob the storehouses, so you better give. Paul says the opposite. He says, you know what? You set it aside each week so that when I come, it's already there. Don't do any special collections. Don't do anything extra. Your weekly giving, what I'm asking you to do should be enough. Right? I, I can't stand it when you go into churches, you know, and then you, you give your tithes and offerings, and then you go out for a bit of cake and a bit of coffee, and there's a little bowl there asking for some more money. You know, and you go to the toilet, and there's another bowl there asking for, you know, it's like, what is this? You know what I mean? Paul says, don't do that. Don't pressurize people. Hey, this is about their tithes and their offerings, about what they give to God, and that will cover everything else. That's what we should do. 
So he says, there's no guilt, there's no pressure. He says, so that when I come, no collection has to be made, right? Because you know the kind of pressure that's put on when, or when I've been in churches where they have a, a visiting minister speak, and then they have another, oh, let's bless this visiting minister with a special collection. It's like Paul says, don't do that. Don't do that. Sort it all out beforehand. Then he says it has to be in keeping with your income. We are, all have a responsibility to give, the youngest to the oldest. But it doesn't set aside an amount. It says give in keeping with your income, with how God has blessed you. It doesn't say give 10% anymore. It says give, he says, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. But I do believe, even though we don't need to tithe anymore, it's more complicated this than tithing, isn't it? Tithing's simple, because you can just work out 10% and go, okay, that's it. But the New Testament says, uh-uh-uh. You need to be on your knees talking to the Lord and saying, what do you want me to give? Where do you want me to give? How do you want me to give? And he says, Has, have some available for the special needs of the people. You know, one of the things that we've done, myself and Inika, like for a long time, is that we have a separate bank account. So I, I give, we give most of our a tithe, if you want to put it in those terms, to the local church, to here. But then we also give to others, to missionaries and people that we support that are doing God's work. But then we also have a reserve fund that we put money into. Because like, like Paul says here, sometimes, have you been out and you see some needs and you want to give? But it says, like, you haven't put any money aside to give it, and you're going, well, I'm a bit tight this month. I don't know if I can afford that. Paul says, don't do that. Set aside some money so that when you see, when God reveals to you some needs that you need to give to, you're ready because you've prepared it ahead of time. So we have an account that we use for that. And in that account, we have a certain amount of money, and then we keep topping it up, or I do, and, and then it's ready. So that when we see some needs that are out there, we're able to just respond immediately and go, you know what, I can do this because I've prepared for it. I'm not like scrambling around going like, oh, can we afford this this month? I don't think we can. Oh, it have been so good to have given this because we know that's God wanted us to do. He says, be prepared in what you're doing. So in a sense, in the New Testament, it's way more complicated, isn't it, than the Old Testament. I like the Old Testament. It's simple. 10%, sorted. New Testament, the New Testament is way more complex because it requires me to get on my knees before the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, what do you want me to do with my giving to you? And as the Bible says, what you give and how you give, that shows and demonstrates your love for your Lord. What you give and how you give, 
is a demonstration of your love for the Lord. In 1 John 3, 16 and 18, it says, if you see a brother and sister in need and have no pity on them, how can the love of God be in you? Do not love with mere words, but love, love with action. Go meet those needs. Go sort those things out. Go pour into those people. Go, go get invested. So I believe in the tithe because it's a really good place to start, but we're not tied to it. What you need to do, if you've never done this, is to go home and sit before the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? I love you. I love your amazing grace. I love, I love who, who you are and what you do for me. So how can I demonstrate that through my life and through the finances and the resources that you give to me? And as we think about that, one last thing. Hands up if you like chocolate. You guys like chocolate? You have to check with your dad whether you like chocolate or not. Fraser, do you like chocolate? A little bit, okay. If, if, you're, if you're like under 10 and you like chocolate, why don't you come out here? I'm gonna get you something. You don't have to, no pressure. I like chocolate, so I'll just take it home. How many have we got? One, two, no, no, stay at the back there, I'll bring it back, four. All right. Here we go. Guess what I've got for you guys? Don't you all wish you were under 10, eh? Whew. All right, take one of these. Okay, take that one. You want to take that one? This is yours. Okay? Now, before you eat them, I want you to do one thing for me, right? In each of these are 10 chocolate Easter eggs. I want you to go and give at least one away. You can give away as many as you like. And whatever you have left, that's yours to keep. You can give it to whoever looks hungry and desperate. <laughs> okay? Do you understand? So you give away, I want you to give away at least one. But the rest is up to you. You can keep nine for yourself if you like, or you can give as many away. Okay, go. You can give it to whoever you like. Jason's loving the fact he's sitting right now. He's, he's <laughs> You get to keep whatever you want left, okay? Okay? Okay, come back up here. Once you've finished, once you've finished, come back up here. Okay, how many you got left? How many you give away? Two, so you got eight left. Fred, how many did you give away? 
Two, you've got eight left. Fraser, you gave most of yours away. Wow. Oh, my days, we haven't finished yet. You're giving them all away. You know, the Bible talks about when we give about this. See, 10% is easy, isn't it? You don't even have to think about it. Okay, I've got to give it away. But in the New Testament, it's more like this. It's more like saying, these are the resources that God's given me. What am I going to do with them now? What do I give? What do I keep? Hands up if you've got an egg. You got two. And in the Word, it says, if you've been given two, you're supposed to give one away. <laughs> you were strategically placed. Okay. See, that's the complexity of the New Testament, right? You guys get to keep all of those. They're yours. Happy Easter. Well done. You can go and sit down now, okay? And start consuming eggs. Your mum and dad are looking particularly hungry and a bit parched right now. But that's the complexity of it, because the word says, in 2 Corinthians 8 and in 9, the key is generosity. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. The Word keeps talking about that word generosity. That we, we don't own anything anyway, do we? Psalm 24 says that. The world, the earth is the Lord and everything's in it. But the key is, what are we going to do with the resources that God has entrusted us with? How generous are you and me going to be? Because that generosity shows your joy, shows your love for God and for people. It shows who you really are. And that's why in the New Testament, it doesn't just say give away one. It says you need to be on your knees and decide, how can I demonstrate the generosity of God in my life towards others as I give? Let's skip through this. You see, the key is this. Do you really want to fly in your Christian life? Do you want to be going along at 70 miles an hour with your sails capturing the Holy Spirit and the wind of the Spirit? Or do you want to, are you perfectly happy just bobbing around, going nowhere? The Bible tells us how to be like this. It's what it does. But God gives you and me the ability to align our lives to that, to see. He gives you the freedom to decide. You see, the problem with the 10% is that it's easy just to, I said, you've got to give 10%. They could have just given you one egg out, taken the rest. I'm sorted. I'm done. Nothing to do with the heart. It was just a rule that I laid down, and I get to keep nine eggs. That's pretty decent, right? 
And so Jesus kind of turned everything on its head and said, ah, what's your heart really show? What does it really show? Who we are. Do you want to be like that? Then you need to get on your knees before Christ and say, Lord, what do you want me to do with the resources that you give to me? How can I be generous to others out of the generosity that you showed me, amazing grace? How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Let's pray. Father, when Jesus came, everything turned around. Everything. They, they had it all sorted. They were facing that direction. They, they, they knew what to do. They knew how to do it. They knew when to do it. And Jesus, when you turned up, you, you caused everybody to pick up their chair and turn it 180 degrees and look in the wrong direction or another direction. When they thought they had all the, the ideas about serving and, and giving sorted, you suddenly threw it all up in the air and you said, you know what? Everything changes. It's now about your heart, like the widow who gave a couple of pennies, but it was all she had. And Jesus said, she went home, blessed. She went home right before God. Whereas the wealthy just gave their 10% and made a big show about it. And he said, that didn't make any difference. Wrong heart, wrong attitude, no generosity. As David said, search me and know me. Know my inmost thoughts. And Lord, may my life be so attuned that I not only catch the wind of your spirit in greater and greater measure, but that others will see the generosity that flows through me from you because of my love for you. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. We lift you one another today. We thank you for this time together in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen.